What's up and welcome to the Single Player Experience, the premier podcast, the hottest thing since Dragon Ball Z itself. I'm your host, Sebastian Malden, and joining me today is DC Megafan, the host of the Just Dumb Enough podcast, the sensational, the magnificent, the incomparable Colton Petrie. Colton, man, I thank you so much for being on the show. I had to have you here to talk about all things DC because there's been a lot of things going on. Also talk about video games, of course. But, you know, before we get into all that, how you doing? Oh, man, I'm doing great. And Sebastian, it's always great to be on the show. I think that's the best intro I've ever had. I'm going to clip it and I'm going to use it when I go on to like panels. I'm going to play that like my walk-in music. You really should. You really should. We should have like maybe some bass in there and everything like that I'm right leading up to it i love that yeah i'm gonna be like this is the the single player experience remix yeah <laughs> i'm down for it i'm down for it so colton you were on before we talked about gotham knights the good the bad everything in between i had to have you back though because like a lot of things have been going on with dc both in the video game sphere and you know in just all around media i gotta ask you though before we dive into everything like what has been your favorite DC thing that's happened this year? Oh, man. I I think the biggest DC thing has been the return of Harley Quinn as the animated show. Like, I enjoy that show so much. It's always funny. It's always keeping me wrapped up in it. And so seeing that they're like new episodes every Thursday, I'm like, yes, every Thursday I have a reason to live again. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like, I, I'm right there with you because, like, it's, like, Thursday and Friday. I, it's, like, that back-to-back, -back, like, level of dopamine to where I get to enjoy the Harley Quinn animated show. And then I get to enjoy, like, my adventures with Superman. Like, back-to-back. -back, oh, my goodness. I, I love it. Like, the new Superman animated show is probably my favorite thing that's been going on in DC, in, like, in 2023. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even, like, a big Superman fan. I have a lot of issues with the way they've portrayed you know the character overall because i'm like oh so overpowered so gross like i hate some of this characterization and then they did my adventures with superman and i'm like mm -hmm. i actually love this superman he's really good he is it, it's like they it's like anime is like they made him anime style they made the whole thing kind of like animated but it's also like the whole uh, spoiler alert just minor spoilers for this show by the way everybody but like they made all things in like evolving like a krypton so to speak like a lot of kryptonian elements are associated with all of his villains and it's it makes it compelling because like it feels like there's an overall through line to the entire show and it's not just the villain of the week you know yeah and to say like oh he's younger he doesn't have this full grasp on what he is or who he is or what he can do and so he's like relatable yeah He's human in a way that like you see him just get absolutely knocked around and you're like yeah good like this is now <laughs> a fight <laughs> Yeah, and it's a relatable in a human way because, like like you said, he's so young, and, and that's, like, we've all been there where we didn't necessarily know who exactly who we are, like, exactly what we're meant to be doing in life, exactly, like, if we're on the right path and how to use our greatest potential. And that way, he feels like one of us instead of, like, this god among gods who's basically looking down and protecting all of us. Yeah, and it's got some wonderful, like, slice-of-life stuff in there, like your relationship to your friends and how that can change as you're becoming an adult and you know the way you fall in love or start having crushes on people like it's really well portrayed oh it really is and i you know i love superman i love lois but jimmy olsen in that show it's like every time he's on screen he makes me laugh 
Yeah, he's a, he's a great like. I don't even know that he's a, a co-star to the characters, but he's mm -hmm. just like great whenever he's on screen. You're like, oh great, this is this is gonna be a good one. Yeah, and it's like yeah, in the like him being a conspiracy theorist, something I don't I don't ever think I've seen in the comics. Like, because normally he's just the straight laced reporter who occasionally has um some like occasionally have his own like comics where he becomes a superhero. Sometimes he's just normally a sidekick and a MacGuffin character who always is just like I need someone to come save me sort of character. And but like in this one, he feels like he's actually like a full fledged human who has like hopes, needs, dreams, and everything in between. I love it. Yeah, and especially in one of these recent episodes, which I won't spoil for anyone, yeah. but he has like a real heart to heart moment that I'm like, oh man, this is character building at its finest, and then has like the funny moment right on top of it. It's like, wait a minute, seriously? we're best friends like what are you doing mm -hmm. and it's like it's such a good character building it really is and i think that's the that's the nature of the show it's like the writing of it is so good because like superman the animated series came out around like what 1996 97 and it felt like it was a good show but i always looked at that as like a spin-off of like batman the animated series it almost felt like the lesser than show like animated show but like this one feels like if they wanted to start a DC universe, this feels like the perfect building block to build off of. Yeah, the old show, like, I think the Batman animated series, obviously a lot of people Goated. have, like, the warmest place in their heart, and that's fantastic, absolutely. But the Superman show, you're right, it was like, show up this week to see how he didn't need to develop new powers to solve his problems. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was just like, it, it always felt like he... He was dumb because he didn't use his powers in the right way more so than it felt like oh i really have like hard life struggles and my villains are kicking my ass at that point it's like uh, like outside of parasite and you know it almost felt like everything should have come easy for him yeah it's one of those where i like the characterization where they say like he's a a man of steel in a world made of tissue paper and mm -hmm. he has to be very careful to not just like murder everybody I'm like, but also that really decreases the stakes when you're like, well, he either murders them and stops the problem or <laughs> doesn't murder them and still stops the problem. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, you like, you were so close to saying that line where, um, that, that famous line where he's talking about facing dark side in a, I can't remember the animated movie, but like, it was like where he's just like, I live in the world that where like everything is cardboard, where everything feels like it's made out of cardboard, where I can kill someone like with a tiny mistake. And he's like, I finally get to let go, let loose with you because you could take a big guy. And I was like, oh, that line is like iconic though. Yeah, it's fantastic. And he does like, if you look at his power scaling that I think has mm -hmm. been really good in death battle when they bring him oh, up. Yeah. Is there like his strength is the maxed out version of it is like he's pulling planets around by a rope and you're like <laughs> all ridiculous. right listen man like this is silly like we've bordered into popeye territory <laughs> <laughs> it is very very cartoonish at that point yeah but um i want to get your read on harley quinn though because you brought harley quinn up what's been your favorite aspect about that show you know, I really like that they are not afraid to build their own universe. Like, this is a separated Harley Quinn. You don't need to be reading comics. You don't need to be introduced to the character. Like, you get to know her from base level. And every character around her is built in the moment that you meet them. Because they'll address, like, oh no, it's whoever, you know, the villain or hero of the week. 
and you're like, who is this guy? And then they're like, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter if you know him or not. We're about to introduce his dumb gimmick and then we'll be done with that and we'll move on to like fun, jaunty side quests. Yeah, and like to Harley Quinn's uh, credit, like they make me care about characters I've never cared about before, like ever. And I've been reading comics my whole life, like Kite Man. Like, I can't believe I cared about Kite Man at all. But, like, they really made me feel for that character in a way that I didn't think was possible. Yeah, I mean, profoundly to the point that you care about characters that are tied to Kite Man. Exactly. You're like, who is this? And then they introduce, they're like, oh, this is Kite Man's new girlfriend. And I'm like, oh, you know what? I actually do care about what's happening. Oh, right yeah, now. for sure. For sure. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I can't believe Kite Man's got a new girlfriend. What's going on here? Like, I, I love it. I really do. And, like... I've always saw Clayface as like a Clayface as an obstacle. Like I never really like even in the comics. I I don't care how they've like how they portrayed his character. It's always felt like very much a one dimensional. Like Batman has to outsmart this character to kind of beat this character. I never really cared about the person Clayface, but here is like the theatrics and everything he does that's over the top. I love this version. I absolutely well, do. And they, yeah, he's like, he's hilarious because that's a two dimensional mm-hmm. character where you're like, you know, Clayface, Clayface, of course. Yeah. And then they introduce some characters that like are profoundly the best versions of them I've probably ever seen. Because like Mr. Freeze is kind of hit or miss. Yeah, for like, sure. They did new 52 stuff and Mr. Freeze is kind of like the worst dude on the planet. Mm-hmm. And then you see him in Harley and you're like, oh man, he's kind of creepy. And then it gets to like the end of his run on screen and you're like, oh man, Mr. Freeze might be the most empathetic character I've ever seen in DC. Like I now, I now care about Freeze and his motivations more than any other character in this entire show. I get it. And like, I get it. Cause like they, they're the writing is so good that they make you care about all kinds of characters. Cause like King Shark and what he was going through when he was like having his little arc. I never cared about King Shark. I don't care what iteration like they portrayed with him on the screen. I've never cared about that character, but like this version feels real. It feels like it's actually like a character that's going through some real heartfelt stuff. Yeah, and I love that just like King Shark, I kind of thought they were going to bring him in for like one episode. Mm-hmm. And then he becomes like a holdover through the seasons. And that's something you can't pick up on in that show. Anytime they introduce a character, you're like, all right, this person's either going to be dead in three minutes <laughs> or we will be fan favorites next season. And I can't tell. No, no. It, I thought the same thing about Bane. I thought he was just going to be a cameo. And then he becomes like one of the funniest one line characters throughout the entire show. Because, you know, when he comes in, he's going to say something either stupid or something that's very like, you know, he his level of like trying to go and complete himself through therapy. Like that whole arc just makes me laugh every single time. And him talking about like the gift registry. Oh, so good yeah yeah i mean he goes from that character where you're like oh bane man he he broke the batman he's such a bad dude like if you run into him he's just gonna murder you and then you see him in this and you're like oh bane what are you doing you can't do that silly boy he is a very all shucks type of character in this it's like and that's that's what they do they like made a lot of these characters do a 180 but that 180 feels like it's well earned and actually like fleshing out that character other than just like pissing on their legacy and and everything that came before you know yeah for sure for sure like you said the writing is just 
it's so good and it's so i think fleshed out like they probably have a lot of this already pre-planned to make this kind of stuff happen this long term so this kind of makes me wonder like have we in an era to where like lot like animated stuff just across the board for superheroes is better than live action stuff completely i think a hundred percent I, oh, think, I think so. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind. And it's because of the things you can pull off in an animated series and the way that you kind of free your voice actors, right? Mm -hmm. Like when you're a regular actor, you have to hit your mark. You have to look at the right camera. Your makeup has to be perfect. You have to deliver the line. Like there's so many things going on in there versus like the animated you know, those voice actors kind of get to make the space their own, do whatever they need to do, and then deliver the line as many times as it takes because it's so brief. And then you have a team that takes over the entire art. You have a team that does the entire music. Like, I think you just have more possibility in the animated series than you do in anything else. Yeah, and but it's also, I feel like it's deeper too because like you also have like, you also have the elements to where like uh, there were some there were some animated movies like the Green Lantern movie in the 2000s. I'm not talking about like the live action one. I'm talking about like the, even the animated one was not great. You know, like we had a, like some spell of not great like animated movies on the Marvel side of the things like in the 2000s. You would you would see like their animated slate and you'd be like, oof, this is rough compared to what was going on in like the MCU at the time. And then like. And then when you had movies like The Winter Soldier, Iron Man, and, and you know, Captain America Civil War, just to name a few, you you think to yourself, I'm like, nothing's gonna touch this live action stuff. But it's like when you see and when you see things like Invincible, you see things like the Harley the Harley Quinn show, when you see things like even um, you know, my my adventures with Superman, like all these all these things make it feel like we've hit a new era to where like they are writing so much better for animated like animated like and I guess you could say superhero genre more, way better than they ever have. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's more believable, right? Like yeah. we can see somebody in an animated series get thrown 30 feet and be like, oh man, I hope they get back up. Whereas you see somebody get thrown 30 feet in your traditional live action media and you're like, man, I wonder how many wires that took. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> There's a level of disbelief that goes, goes with a live action territory as well. But I... I want to segue into something because we we've been talking about DC and that makes me, you know, bring up your DC expert, especially when it comes to the Red Hood. But there is a game that got postponed that was supposed to come out earlier this year, and that was the Suicide Squad game. What is it like based on everything we saw? We saw the trailer. We saw like how it got postponed. How are you feeling about the, this game now? And do you think like when this game comes out in 2024, they're going to nail it? Yeah, I got to take... Like, I need to measure my response in this because I came out <laughs> really, really pro Gotham Knights. And that one turned on me a bit. <laughs> Are you still, do you still feel pro now that we've had some time to marinate with it? Like pro Gotham Knights? You know, I still enjoy Gotham Knights. I still think like, okay. you know, I think that's what we said in the last, yeah. last interview we did is it's like this game at 25 bucks, fantastic $25 mm -hmm. game at $70, not rough. worth it. They're very rough. Not, not at all. But as a $20 game, like, I think Gotham Knights is fantastic. Like, you know, again, its world is a little empty, which is unfortunate. Its controls are a little clunky, but I still think it has a lot of promise to it. Okay. So, <laughs> saying that, and looking at the Suicide Squad game, 
I wanted to make sure I had at least as many pros as cons. Okay. Or as many cons as pros, and then give like, this is my hope statements instead of being like eight out of ten best game of the of the franchise, whatever it was. <laughs> so I know that it's part of the main timeline, right? Oh. Like it's five years after the events of Arkham Knight, which gives it like a pretty steady point in time we can fathom. I will say pro, we get to still have Batman, because I know a lot of people hated that about Gotham Knights, is that they're like, there's no Batman, you see him in the first minute and then he's gone. I'm like, okay, fair, I guess. I yeah, guess. I think that's a little nitpicky, to be it honest. Is. Yeah. For me, for sure, because I'm all about Red Hood. Yeah. I'm like, to see the entire Bat family, you got Nightwing, you got Robin, you got Red Hood, you got Batgirl, like, I don't know why you're complaining, because these are the best of the Bat family. Mm -hmm. versus batman himself so still has batman pro yeah also voiced by kevin conray the goat mm -hmm. which is like that's everybody's favorite you know at least as a voice actor like yeah like you said the goat this is the guy and now that it's like he is posthumously playing this character right like he has passed in real life but he still has this final performance i think that's a great like a great thing to still have for the fans mm -hmm. people that can play it and be like oh yeah it's kevin doing his best one last time like fantastic on the nostalgia at a minimum so i'm happy about that okay now <laughs> <laughs> my cons are probably a little more sizable <laughs> i imagine that's in that right off the bat they were like this is an online exclusive play and I started having like fever dream nightmare flashbacks to the way that Anthem launched. And I'm like, oh no, <laughs> please don't do this to me. Like it can play offline. I swear it can. Please don't do this. So I'm concerned. <laughs> I love how like a diplomatic you are with these, these answers. I just love it. I'm really trying here. The other thing I would say is that we heard a lot of dialogue in the trailer. We got to see, like, you know, all of this gameplay in this very small setting. Mm -hmm. I mean, large map, but a very small piece of hopefully the game. Like, oh, that's not a major chunk of the game. That would be really disappointing. We got to hear a lot of, like, chit-chat and banter, which is something I missed in Gotham Knights. And I was like, oh, good. However, it's all a little, like, blasé. Yeah, right? like there's not a lot of substance to it. They're just like yelling out things at each other. Like, you know, just in general, like commands, opinions, whatever statements, they're just kind of making them. Mm -hmm. So I'm a little concerned that like the dialogue's going to be kind of bad. I'm also a little concerned based on how much of that there was. Oh, it was a lot. It's a lot of that that they don't have enough to fill that game with unique dialogue and we are going to start hearing a lot of that repeated over and over again and that's one of those things i don't tolerate real well in most <laughs> of my games where i'm like oh boy 10th time i've heard this statement yeah with yeah. the exception being edf which is i think hilarious to yell things in mm -hmm. but <laughs> Like, putting that into a Suicide Squad game where it's supposed to be very, like, glib 
and very like you know comedic upbeat dark whatever angle you're coming at i didn't really get any of those out of the dialogue no i didn't either i didn't you know you mentioned the dialogue thing and i think that's like that's going to be a key criticism if they don't nail it because like we also are coming out of a post boulders gate 3 world to where like everyone's everyone's you know heaping praise on their dialogue how everything feels like it's a part of the main story or like how every piece of dialogue feels like it matters and chains together with like what you're doing in that real moment or what you just did and accomplished and you know like i if this game especially with the arkham like arkham knight like the way that all the dialogue pieces felt like they mattered and felt like they had, you know, everything to do with what you were either doing at that time or reminding you of something that was going on around Gotham or just happened at during Gotham. It's like it felt so smart. It felt like the world was actually vibrant and, and, and like an actual lived in world versus like here in the Suicide Squad. It almost felt like emotes, like how like they just had chained emotes that happens at specific moments, you know? Yeah, it's very much that. And we saw like that brief period where you have the Flash and they have like that mental breakthrough. He's trying to, you know, get through the corruption and say like, you have to kill us. You have to take us out, whatever it is. Like that was very good. And mm -hmm. I thought like, oh, if this is how your dialogue's built, congratulations, you've got a good thing on your hands. But it's like, you're going to have 5% that and then 90% the outside dialogue. And I'm yeah that scale doesn't balance out to me i'm also worried about like the gameplay loop because like i looked at everything that was going on in that suicide squad according to the trailer and while certain characters did have like specific power sets that feel like they played slightly different a lot of that felt like it was oh this character has a gun too this character has a gun this character has a gun oh this feels like kind of like borderlands ish but it also feels like um what was that game uh crackdown like it almost feels like very much like crackdown where everyone kind of had like their and a special move but everyone also played almost very similarly did you get that vibe i did and i you're definitely not the first person that i have heard say like crackdown when they see it because mm -hmm. it's got that same like over jump abilities the same like gunplay on everybody with mixed support and specials I am hoping, and this is part of my hope category, <laughs> as I pray about the future of this game, I am hoping they take that and they twist it just slightly to match something like Infamous, especially oh, Second good. Son. Because mm -hmm. Second Scunt, Second Son had a lot of like, you know, all of your powers had a bit of a gun ability to them. And yeah. your movement was always the same, even if it was a little quicker, a little higher, a little whatever it was, a little dodgier. You know, it, it was all kind of the same, but they felt very gratifying to, like, play each one specifically. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping that since those both have the same kind of movement hero game style, they will lean a bit more towards Infamous and a little away from Crackdown. I hope so. I, I really hope so. But I another thing that really just rubbed me the wrong way is I saw King Shark. It looked like King Shark had a gun. And I'm like, King Shark don't need no gun like at all like i why would that character be holding a gun in this in this type of game like he has hands let him throw them like that's all i want to do yeah it's a bit like handing the hulk a handgun so you're like yeah, yeah you could use it i guess he could technically shoot people if you had the right trigger hole or something but you know what would be a lot more effective hulk <laughs> smash exactly exactly you know? oh like oh. 
what like i don't know how that came off of like the design board where like someone pitched like all these characters should have a gun because like harley quinn has a gun like because captain boomerang has a boomerang like we need all of our characters and deadshot you know of course deadshot is a gun toting kind of character but if you wanted all your characters to play with guns like there are plenty of suicide squad members that also are rifle carriers you know yeah, and there's, uh, I mean, a couple of things in there. Like, I didn't see a lot of Captain, or, uh, yeah, I mean, Captain Boomerang. I didn't see a lot of Boomerangs. King Shark, I didn't see a lot of shark behavior. Mm -mm. Like, he wasn't picking up enemies and biting them in half and then, like, discarding the other half. Like, it just felt a little weird. Whereas, you can put melee characters into a gunfighting game. Yeah. You just need the ability to, like, close that gap. You know, Harley, as we've learned from this the tv show is very quick very agile can move pretty quick and you know gymnastically that would be pretty gratifying to have to do that to get like major melee hits yeah, yeah. versus like oh give her a rifle so yeah. okay <laughs> another you know like a weird thing that also like struck me while we saw like the gameplay trailer is like captain boomerang has super speed like he's the flash and i'm thinking to myself i'm like why why does he have that yeah there's definitely a little bit where i'm like i've never seen this version of this character portrayed i don't know if they're giving it a reason behind that but i don't see like why that's the portrayal i also don't see why they limited it to those four characters specifically oh yeah harley is popular of course okay so is Deadshot. I think a lot of people know who Deadshot is. I don't think most people know who Captain Boomerang is in general. Like, if no. they saw one of the movies, maybe. But not, like, otherwise, most people don't know anything about Captain Boomerang. And King, Shirt's, King Shark is hit or miss, right? Yeah. Like, maybe you know him, maybe you don't. A lot of people are going to recognize him as, like, one of the rando villains that were in the Flash TV show. Oh, the rough episodes, too. And you're like, yeah, I guess that's how I think about King Shark when I picture him in my head. Mm. But it's like, there's a pretty large roster when you think Suicide Squad. Yeah. So to pick these four was kind of an odd choice for me. So also, like, you know, I, I know the, it seemed like maybe they just emphasized that they wanted to use Suicide Squad. But like, wouldn't it have been like a cool little twist if it was like the Legion of Doom instead of the Suicide Squad? Like you were actually playing with like Lex, Grodd, maybe like you could have even thrown Harley Quinn in there. That would have given you like a wider gambit of like villains to actually go through and actually use as opposed to just the Suicide Squad. Because maybe you then you could have had Cheetah and Cheetah could have been that, that quick character that you wanted. Yeah, well, and it would be very gratifying to, like, build your team out to say, yeah. like, okay, we've got, you know, the support character, we've got this melee DPS, we've got long distance, whatever, like, that would be very fun to build versus Borderlands. Like, hey, we're going to show up and all be gunfighters. You're like, yeah. okay, but what do I do? Like, what's my role in this? So do you also feel like this gameplay style is the right type of game for for what they're going for? Like... It, this is a games as a service type of game this is also like a it looks like a you know like a third person action shooter where basically it's a looter shooter type of environment like 
do you think this would have been better served as maybe like a Diablo style game? So very similar to um what is this series? And like Ultimate Alliance, maybe like the, where it has that top down view. Maybe this could have been something like that, or you know, like I'm I'm just spitballing here. Like I don't you know, I don't see this game working for some reason. Yeah, I think there's a lot of popularity, especially in Ultimate Alliance, that like yeah fake 3d where it's mm -hmm. like it has elevation but not in a way that is visually perceptive in the like sometimes you're like oh is that thing above me okay didn't know that yeah. you know because i don't want to see it as like a flat 2d yeah like a, a strictly top-down shooter like hellfighters mm -hmm. or helldivers but like full 3d with this much movement feels very strange because yeah. It, I don't know that it gives you enough control over the characters to feel heroic. Like they did this with Spider-Man, right? Mm -hmm. Like the Amazing Spider-Man games are in full 3D. Like every dimension, every movement, everything you're doing, like is up, down, sideways, forward, back. Like it's all directions, but it feels very tactically zoomed in on you. Yeah, yeah for sure. Versus like, eh, we're just gonna throw enemies kind of everywhere and you figure it out and then shoot them like that feels like the wrong platforming in general to me i'm right there with you you know like i i we've had so many good like superhero games like recently like we had the arkham series we had like the new spider-man series with spider-man and then spider-man miles morales like it feels like if you wanted to take inspiration in the 3d space it should have been like from those especially considering this is the same studio that did this is rocksteady this is the same studio that did the arkham games like i know they may maybe wanted to try something different but it this feels like i, I don't know it feels so wrong for rocksteady i think that's the that's where it rubs people the wrong way especially like batman fans who like want a single player experience that's going to be very similar to that that style of game what maybe they should have did a green arrow game or something i don't know but this feels very weird and i'm a big green arrow fan so i will lobby for that yeah However, like i'm hoping that's what part of this push is like they got feedback they saw some of the reviews some of the early like takes on it and they just said you know what this you're, they're right we have built a successful platform before i don't know why we're straying from it we don't need to gamble on a new system we just need to deliver the hits in a different mm -hmm. format. I would hope so, but you, I don't know if they could rebuild this game in a year. You know, like, I think, like, I, and, and we live in a world where publishers are also going to tell them, like, hey, we we have, like, we have, like, um, shareholders, and those shareholders demand that we put a product out. Like, send this out to die or send this out to get as much money as we can. Like, I feel like we're closer to that realization than we are like, hey, let's fix this and make this something like most majority of the people will review well and care about, you know? Yeah, and this game comes to like a very audience rich environment. There's mm -hmm. a lot of people that would want to play this game. So do it right. You know, don't just kind of half ass this thing and then throw it out there to die. Like you said, you really got to give it a fan treatment. You know, and I know that would be extremely hard. It's not cost effective. There's no reason they would rebuild it. No. <laughs> but I, I could hope at least they would make some tweaks that, you know, hone in on some of the lighter problems. Hopefully. You know, I, I want to ask you, does the Suicide Squad kill the Justice League feel like DC's version of the Avengers game? 
a little. Yeah, that was like, does it feel like that to you? It's a little bit like that. Even the Avengers, though, felt smoother. Like, when you watch the Avengers, you can see some of that, like, higher-paced movement, especially when I was playing it. I play as Iron Man, so there's a lot of fast movements. That felt very smooth and natural, versus, like, when I watch this, it's, you know, like Crackdown. You're very locked in place, like... There's no sway, there's no movement, there's no adjusting for environment. You're just, that's your camera angle, go get it. Yeah, I, I, I'm optimistic, but I, you know, if I'm being honest, this does feel like it in Skull and Bones are probably going to be one of the biggest flops of the next year. Yeah, it's, uh, I have less hope for it than I did Gotham Knights, which mm -hmm. isn't saying a lot because... <laughs> I had pretty high hopes for Gotham Knights. <laughs> but I still, even as the most optimistic I was possibly being, gave Gotham Knights an 8 out of 10 before it dropped. So seeing this game like pre-drop, I don't even know that it makes it past like a 6.5. Oh, I yeah, I'm right there with you. And do, well, let me ask you this. Like my one of the worst things I hated about Gotham Knights is they had like a prison break scene where like harley quinn was playing like what was that i don't give a damn about your bad reputation like you remember that with like yeah. the do you think there would be anything as bad as that scene in this game i don't know because like i said this game felt very flat like it didn't have an idea it wasn't trying to be like grim and dark it wasn't trying to be like upbeat and campy it just felt kind of like it lacked an identity yeah. So I don't even know that you'll get anything that cringy out of it. It's just going to be like, okay, th things happened. The game didn't make me feel any particular way about the characters of the world. And then I moved on, which yeah. is sad because like, like I said, everything has set them up to do really well right now. I I think my I think the biggest criti criticism that's going to come out about this game is that you're going to face the same type of enemies over and over again and it is going to be in the trailer they had like these alien like brainiac ro um, robots and it they like some of them were humanoids some of them were tentacles and then you'll probably have like the boss fights where you fight the justice league but everything in between will basically be like an old school crackdown game where you're basically trying to take down grunts and then trying to like maybe there'll be points of interest that you have to kind of like I hope they don't do this because I hate this in video games. So we'll defend this one point for like five minutes while everyone floods floods around you. But I get that vibe from this game. Yeah, it's a it's a really grotesque mission type that does not favor a single player experience. You know, no. like you just can't defend a point with one person without feeling like ridiculously overwhelmed or underpowered or you know without resources like it's just very hard to do that single player it's a lot of fun when you have a group but your group has to be geared for that like you have to know what you're getting into and not just like dropped on it did you ever play the guardians of the galaxy game that came out recently i did like Marvel's. actually it's really good it is really good it's a single player it's like a single player game where you only play as peter quill but like you have control over the, your other characters around you's so like special moves and like so like you can tell like it's very much like 
Mass Effecty in a way where you can, where you're like you're still playing as Commander Shepard the whole entire time, but you can tell your other compatriots like, hey, attack with these sort of weapons and this sort of like special moves at certain times. That's the way like Guardians, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy plays, and it is very story centric and it's very heartfelt. And I wish this game was like that. Yeah, yeah, I can certainly see that. I didn't play it not for any particular reason. It was just like the time period that it came out in. I happened to be really busy. I didn't pick it up. I heard good things. It just like nothing about it grabbed me. Yeah, I can understand that. It's if you do have time. Well, I I would say that like this is the busiest like game season of the year. But like if you do have a moment, like I believe if you have game like it might still be on Game Pass if you're an Xbox user. But like. If you're not, like, I would definitely say if this is, like, 20 bucks or you can find it for, like, 20 to 15 definitely check out that game because it is it is a fun weekend playthrough. Yeah, it'll definitely end up on my, my list of games to play, mm -hmm. but it's going to be one of those that's, like, I'll have to play it in between new stuff and then, like, revisiting some of the old favorites. Yeah. There's always some of that in my life, so it'll fit its way in and I'll eventually play through it, but it's just... I don't know something about it never ended up high on my priority list i can understand that speaking of like you know what we're playing right now i want to ask you what games are you playing right now colton yeah you know i've been obviously i think the world is a bit enraptured in Baldur's gate that, yeah that's a big one especially like all the things they've done really really feels really good to play it i have like nitpicks and gripes about it but i think a lot of people do otherwise like very good game um no, hold on hold on well you can't just you can't just segue on to another minor topic about boulder's gate i need the details <laughs> of your boulder's gate experiences like what are you what the like what class are you playing as how are you playing this game are you like are you more of the the like are you more of like a, a i guess you could say evil kind of guy or are you more like a good kind of guy do you extort everybody like i need some details man what's your character like what's his name or her name so my character every base name that i pick no matter what my first character is is roxas i just oh yeah that i run through there so i'm playing like a good paladin mm -hmm. right i'm like it's going very it's fun right i like playing the heavier class when i get the chance to otherwise i typically play a lot of casters but i figured in this case like because they're so diverse i will come back through and then do evil caster i love so that like, I think that'll be a little fun but yeah every time like a d20 pops up on screen i just wish they gave it like some weight like gravity an effect to rattle around your screen or a setting that just skips the animation and just shows me a number yeah but i don't know it it hits different i guess because i make a lot of saves just so that i can see like what the outcome i wanted is mm-hmm there's a lot of that where it's like hey i wanted to pick this this outcome this storyline whatever path i wanted to follow and it's like well let's leave it up to fate and i'm like let's not leave it up no. to fate. <laughs> i'm on the other side of the fence man i i love this dice mechanic like i am i'm one of those people who like 
okay like i get super invested in and it almost feels like a like i'm not a big gambler or anything like that but it almost feels like what i imagine people feel like at the casino when they're the crap staple and they're like come on let be a lady tonight and they just roll that seven and like i'm hoping like oh i need a six i need a six or my outcome won't turn out the way i want it so i'm like come on come on come on come on and then like i'm over here cheering whenever he like hits my numbers or he hits above my number i'm like let's go or like i have um or like I'll be sad whenever like it doesn't hit like I'm supposed to get 15 in order to for my persuasion to go through and instead I hit 11 but lo and behold I have four persuasion points because of my character's attributes and I'm like yes girl let's go I did it I'm like it's it's a dopamine adrenaline boost that I did not know I loved the games yeah and it would feel like I could give myself whiplash in that game pretty easily if the mm -hmm. dice like bounced around my screen and then like slowly came to a stop. Like oh, I try and track it real quick. Yeah. Like, oh, it bounced off the corner. Where's it headed? And then like get, I'd lean in, like mm -hmm. ruin my posture and lean in to like see what it, that final number is. It tilted like, uh -huh. yeah, it came up high. Like I'd be way more excited about that. But it's like, that's one of those things I think I have because I play D&D &D as a physical game. Oh, like I play it okay. physically in real life. And so I'm like, oh, I know some of the things that I really enjoy about this game format. And I just, I lose little bits of them. And I know it's very hard to do. Like you can't make a story that has infinite outcomes for every little thing you do. It's just not going to happen. But I, I feel like if I'm going to replay this same game, I should be, I should have a little more weight over some of my, like the outcome that I have to my action. That makes complete sense. You know, like, and you, you're giving me a perspective I didn't think about because, like, I have never played D&D &D or a D&D style game before. So I'm like, this feels like, oh, this has introduced me to a whole world I did not know I loved. Like, and I haven't, I haven't had that moment to where I'm like, I'm looking at the dice roll in, in real life and I'm like, oh, yes. So I'm like, this is my first introduction of, of everything like that. And I'm loving this, like. I can't believe I missed out on 31 years, 32 years now of my life when I could have been playing games like this. That's how I felt when I ran into D&D for the first time. I played it at a buddy's bachelor party for the mm -hmm. first time, which I'm like, I didn't think this was going to be bachelor party activities, but all right, sure, let's do it. And it like is so much fun. <laughs> it really is like. I would have loved to be in at that bachelor party because I imagine like that sounds like an amazing, amazing event, like, especially if you did it over a weekend. Yeah. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah, it was like we had several nights to do what we wanted to do and just like have fun. And so the first night I was like, oh, great, we're going to do whatever nerd thing this is. Like, <laughs> I can't imagine I'm not going to read through an entire rule book. I'm not going to do whatever else this is. And my buddy's brother just hands me a character sheet and he's like here i built everything for you it's very simple don't worry about it and within like the first five minutes i'm doing a character voice i'm going on a rampage <laughs> i've taken over a bar like things have gone off the rails because you've given me ultimate control and i'm like well fine then i'm gonna break this game let's see how this goes and you realize like you can't break it there's nothing <sighs> to break inside of it and so when you're playing you're just like well, now I'm invested in what this character outcome is, where the story's headed. What can I do to shape the world around me? And it puts a lot of like personal weight into everything you do. And I think that's, it's a reason I love the game. And I think there's a lot, very candidly, I think there's a lot better games out there than D&D. &D. 
but I think D&D has a very special place because of its ability to collaborative, collaboratively storytell. So I okay. highly recommend it because I didn't do it for, you know, till I was 24, I think. I didn't mm-hmm. play it. Had the opportunity. Didn't want to be involved. Don't want to do it. Don't want to play it. Seems dumb. And now I'm like, is everybody ready? Have you got your shiny click clacks and math rocks <laughs> for therapy night? Yeah, it's like I've had that opportunity and had invites like over the years to where people invited me. And I always like while it always felt like something that sounded interesting and always loved that camaraderie of like doing stuff with other people. I always felt like it was taking away from gaming time at at that point. And, you know, I always selfishly thought to myself, I'm like, man, I can be engrossed in a story like The Last of Us or Arkham games or or Spider-Man or or different games of that nature, the latest RPG. But like Baldur's Gate 3 has opened my eyes into a whole new world where I'm like, I love that people can be this imaginative and that we can like go through like a litany of different possibilities and I can superly be invested in my characters and go about this adventure that I didn't even think was possible because spoiler alert people like Baldur's Gate 3 mixes aliens with fantasy stuff and I it blew my mind I was like this is like the movie Cowboys and Aliens but with like a RPG and I was like I'm down for it yeah yeah, for sure. Like I said, I, I kind of highly recommend it to people now. I'm like, you got to play it. You got to at least try it. It's not as hard as you think. It's not as nerdy as you think. It is definitely nerdy, but it's not yeah. as nerdy <laughs> as you think. Like, People aren't going to show up to the table in robes and fake ears and put on like profoundly dumb accents for extended periods of time. Most people that are playing just show up, street clothes, normal voice. And they just chat with their friends and everybody tells a story. So I'm like, it's extremely worth your time if you haven't. Okay, okay. So before we talk about more things we've been playing, because this is a good, I, I love this topic. Like, I think this is fascinating. Like for a newbie like me, well, how would you advise me get into the world of like, not just D&D, but the world of tabletop gaming? What What game would you say, like, in your opinion, would be like the perfect entry game to get into this world? So... Uh... I introduce a lot of people to this pretty regularly. I DM quite often. And so, like, I am that guy. (laughs) (laughs) And I think 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons is very good so long as you have someone to guide you a little. Okay. Because that game can be run on a single sheet of paper. Like, it's not hard. And if you cut back all the the rules and all the, you know, specifics, like, a lot of people are very obsessed with their carry weight and their magic components and stuff but i'm like if you just boil this thing down to i want to attack with an axe i want to attack with magic like it's a very simple simple game but i think it's a lot of fun because you can retell your favorite video game lore or you know the storyline that you wish had gone differently you can retell that for your players at the table and make it different it won't end up the way you think it will it just through natural laws of you know, human interaction, like it just wildly twists the story you're so familiar with into something really special. I also think there's a couple of great, very simple games like Monster of the Week, which has two dice. You can pull them out of your set of Monopoly. Everything is played on a single-sided character sheet, so very simple, and it takes, I don't know, two minutes to set up. Not bad, not bad at all. Like, how much of a financial investment is it to get into D&D, like D&D style games? Um, if you want to bare minimum, 
I think you could play D&D for probably 20 bucks. Oh, that's not bad at all. For a group of people. Mm -hmm. 20 total. Not 20 each, like 20 total. That's stupidly cheap. It's ridiculously cheap. Because you could buy, like, the starter set. It has an adventure pre-written for you. It has a core rulebook in it that's, you know, trimmed down, but it's very, like, what you need to set up characters. It has dice. It has the shield for the DM if you want to keep your roles secret. Like, it's very simple. And so, I will say, once you get really into it, you start spending way too much <laughs> money on it. So, there's no ceiling to how much you could spend. <laughs> so, let me ask you then, like, follow-up question for what you just said. Like, how much was the craziest thing you either bought or how much have you spent playing a D&D style game? So... <laughs> Over the years, I went from, like, uh, paper, right? I just had, like, a big sheet of construction paper, and I drew mm -hmm. lines on it. And I was like, this is our battle grid. And I upgraded from that to, like, a whiteboard that I basically cut lines into so that I could draw on it and I could make that different. I went from there to battle maps, which is, like, a big book that I could lay out. It's very hardcover. Um, so paper, you know, pretty much cheap relatively like you're gonna pay a dollar for a bunch of it yeah the whiteboard i think i was probably 10 bucks into by the time i got to battle maps i was probably like 60 or 70 dollars in and then i made this jump to terrain building sets oh, which is what? like adult legos on steroids <laughs> because it's like you literally take you know clear plastic grids and you build with blocks and different shapes and different things into these immense battle maps that okay. everything takes place on. And so I probably spent, I don't know, $600 on that. Dang. And it's worth it? Like, it's totally worth it. Absolutely. Okay. Especially if you play quite a lot like I do. But then like the time investment of painting things and the forethought it takes to like set up a map. Like it was quite a lot of money <laughs> to just like dump on stuff. I also somewhere around here have like a 20 gallon storage can bucket mm -hmm. of just miniatures. Oh, that's so cool. Like figures. Yeah. Cause I think they're all so cool. Like you can go out online and buy them for like three bucks. I think if you go to atomic empire who doesn't sponsor me or anything I do, but I think is a good resource. They're like $3. Okay. And like, Oh sweet for three bucks. Like I'll pick up a couple of minis for me and my friends. Well now I need enemies. And what about this NPC? <laughs> And then you have a thousand dollars worth of miniatures and you're like, I have to paint all of these. Oh, no. <laughs> so like and they make these the like that come painted as well, I'm assuming for increased price. Yeah, you can buy them painted. You can go on to like there's specific websites out there. If you just want to play around and make a character, there's a website called Hero Forge and it'll let you make whatever race, whatever style, like pick your own hair, your skin tone, your clothing, your weapons spell effects all kinds of crazy stuff you'll spend forever on there and i wonder you, oh go ahead want it in like dyed they will actually dye and use colored 3d printing materials to make a miniature for you so you can like down to the last detail custom paint and print a miniature that'll never wear out wow that's crazy. That, that's exactly what I was about to ask you. I was like, man, I, a 3D printer like would probably feel like a god tier item in, in this type of world. Yeah, I know a lot of people, especially 
I have one friend that's really into Warhammer and I mm-hmm. refuse to get into it because he tells me about the tens of thousands of dollars he spent on it. What? And I'm like, absolutely not. I cannot even get close to this game. <laughs> and uh, that was at one point his purchase. He's like, I bought a very, very high end 3D resin printer. So it has very fine details. And I was what? Like, how, much, how much did you spend on that? And he's like, way too much, but I'll never have to buy another miniature. Yeah, but at that point, I wonder if you would have came out cheaper just buying the miniatures at that point. Yeah, I don't know. He's he's too deep. He's too deep into it, and I cannot relate anymore. That is insane. That's so cool, though. Like, Baldur's Gate 3 um, feels like a game that is... It feels generational for me. Like, I... Uh, so to give you a little bit of background, like I haven't felt this way about a video game of this nature since Dragon Age. And I love Dragon Age one, two and three. I know two is blasphemous for a lot of people, but uh, like I even I love Dragon Age Inquisition. Like I, I stand by that being a lot of people's game of the year when it came out because it was damn sure mine. But like I haven't played a game like that since Mass Effect and Dragon Age. So like to get a game like this again, I was like, oh, this this feels like something I've been missing for like 10 to 12 years at the moment. Like for you, who's been playing a lot of like D&D style games, was this just like an average run of the mill like experience or did this kind of feel special to you in a way? No, I mean, Baldur's Gate is definitely something special. Like you can tell they put a lot of love and care into everything they were doing and they spent an appropriate amount of time, honestly, to put all this out because there's other games out there like Divinity. Yeah, right? like Divinity is the same style of game, but if you try to compare the two, they're not even in the same ballpark. And there's a lot of games out there that do like, I don't even remember what their name is. I think it's Fool's Gold or something like that. And they do mm-hmm. like a funny, jokey D&D, which is very much like what happens at the table. Like you show up and you're like, oh, hey, I've got this magic item. And they're like, are you proficient? And you're like, no, but I'm going <laughs> to use it anyway. And, you know, damn the consequences. And then you blow the world up. <laughs> you're yeah. Like, it's a good joke, but it's not the same quality at all. No, and then you also have games like Pillars of Eternity and such like that that feel very akin to it, but don't quite feel like this. You know, it's like I try I tried Divinity Original Sin, and while I liked a lot of the merits, I never got hooked into it. Like maybe it was because of like what all the games that are out, maybe I was expecting a little bit more uh i guess dragon age kind of like maybe action rpg ish more so than maybe the game that was actually put out or maybe i was i just came from dragon's dogma around that time but like i don't know it just didn't click with me whereas like Baldur's gate hit me and i was just like i was dreaming about rolling dice like i was like it hit me so hard yeah yeah no it i mean and there is something like really dopamine stimulating about the dice yeah (laughs) yeah as you're like, let me go get my six pounds of dice and drop them on this table. And even just that, like the noise of it hitting the table is really gratifying. But I think Baldur's Gate has captured something that is going to change the state of gaming in general for probably a long while to come. I think this is going to be the bridge. It's going to bring D&D only people that play at a table into some of the video game section. And it's going to bring people that only played Baldur's Gate into D&D. Because I think it has that much accessibility and people were not afraid of it. They're not like, oh, this is the nerdiest thing I've ever seen on the planet. They're like, oh, this looks like a lot of fun and people love it. And they just jump in and now they're hooked. 
yeah, it, it's got me. Like I'm, I I am going to be looking for a D and D session going forward. Like I I know it. That is on my resolution list for like the next couple months. It's like after I get done with Baldur's Gate and possibly start playing um Starfield, I am definitely going to spend my time looking for a D and D like session around me. Yeah, well, let me know. I know some people that make some custom dice, and I might just have a custom set made for you. Oh, buddy, it's so exciting. That's all right. Oh, <laughs> oh Christmas is coming early. I love talking about Boulder's Gate, but I got to ask you, though, what is your game of the year so far for 2023? So I think very much in the same, like, the same way that I, I was going to judge Suicide Squad, I'm going to judge fairly everyone else on the same merit. Okay. And play field. And I would say so far, 2023 game of the year is going to be Zelda's Tears of the Kingdom. Whoa. And it's because it is such, like, that has an immense audience. Where Baldur's Gate, like, pulls a lot of people, it's still going to pull a very specific, like, RPG fan type of people. Whereas now people are seeing videos coming out of Tears of the Kingdom, which, like, I saw today people had made a gigantic scale Beyblade arena inside what? of it for no apparent reason, just because they could. And I'm like, this might be one of the coolest things I've seen somebody do. That is amazing. That is amazing. Like, I like I feel so left out because Tears of the Kingdom was a game I didn't connect with. Maybe it was because, like, I, I played through Breath of the Wild real quick and didn't fall in love with it like everyone else. But to, And Tears of the Kingdom, I was like, maybe this will be the sequel that makes me fall in love. Just 40 hours in, I was just like, I feel quite the same as I do. Now I can go underground and in the sky, but I feel quite the same. But yeah. Well, and keep this in mind, everyone that's listening, yeah. so I don't get a metric ton of hate mail. <laughs> I gave it 2023 Game of the Year perspective. Mm-hmm. I don't like Zelda games. Whoa! Like, I just have never enjoyed one that much in any format, and I've been playing them since Game Boy, and I just don't enjoy them. However, I see it's... Like, I love watching the gameplay from this, and I'm not a person that watches gameplay almost at all. But people that are getting really creative in this game, like, I will watch it almost endlessly because I'm fascinated watching them recreate, like, the Metal Gears. Yeah! I'm like, what is happening right now? I saw someone make, like, the Megazords, uh, Megazords from, like, Power Rangers and such like that, and I was like, this is so cool, like, you made a mech in this game, like, I didn't love Tears of the Kingdom at all, but, like, I love, the, I love watching those videos as well, like, I was just like, Oh, that's so creative in a way that I don't have the patience nor time to actually and probably the mindset to actually be that creative. So, like, I I wonder, though, like, I know, like, Tears of the Kingdom is your prediction for game of the year. But, like, is that also your this is my favorite game of the year? It's not. I mean, definitely. Like I said, I don't really. Yeah, you don't really miss Zelda's. Yeah. Um, I don't know games i've played so far like Baldur's gate's extremely good Mm -hmm. it's really extremely good and i think it's got a fair chance to do it but i know in october spider-man 2 is dropping yeah and that will probably win me over with significant ease because i'm a huge spider-man nerd 
and I also loved the the other games. Like they were so well built that I could spend time just exploring. There's no games I play where I just travel through the world. Like that's usually something you're like, as soon as I get fast travel, I am done with this system. I used fast travel once in Spider-Man. And I was like, boy, I don't like fast travel. Instead, I'm going to web sling everywhere. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I'd be remiss in asking you, what is like one thing Spider-Man 2 could do? Or like one villain that Spider-Man 2 can can make you face off against that would have you going like, let's go. Like, this is it. This is the moment I've been waiting for. Or this is a moment I didn't expect to love and absolutely love it. Yeah, boy. They can give me a very happy with i think honestly the boss was never the highlight of the game i think what they could do is build like a very procedural world where like crime is just constantly happening you know like the spider-man version of new york is like just riddled with criminals in every alley along (laughs) every path like just riddled with them and that was one thing i missed once it was gone like the original spider-man I loved playing just the same challenge level over and over because it's just full of like minor mobs. Yeah. I'm like, man, I love kicking the absolute hell out of these guys. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I love that that world. I like I like it to feel lived in and breathed in. I like to where people react to like, oh, something happened with um the neck uh, like Mr. Negative and and now the whole world has changed because of it. Like I I love that. I there are some like villains though that if they did pop up i would be happy to kind of see uh happy to kind of see them and just because like i guess nostalgia reasons and i'd be happy to face off against them like i for some reason i don't know how this would work but i would lose my absolute shit if i got to face hydro man like i don't know why like it's the anime cartoon i'm like i i would lose it i i have no idea him like um morpheus like i don't know like i would lose it probably i spot because of into the spider-verse i'm like it would be a really cool villain just to see what they do with that i'm like just minor minor villains morlin morlin is like yeah that would be really cool um i like i don't know like i would love to see them actually actually give us more of a cool take with kingpin instead of us like taking him down in the entry level and then we not really seeing him very much anymore i'm like it's like who was the guy in the wheelchair who used to be like the the lackey for kingpin do you remember in the like back in the day for the animated show oh man that's way deep back that in my brain cut yeah he was like a i think he was like a scientist um but like it was i can't remember um i can't remember his name but like was it Mr. Smee or like, but anyways, he used to be in almost like a Charles Xavier, like wheelchair. And he was like a villain of Spider-Man as well. Like I would really love to see that. But I think like if they actually showed off, like if you actually got to face off against the Punisher, like, because like, he's not a villain per se, but he is like an antagonist and an anti-hero, like to see you face off against like, ah, oh, him and like trying to convince him not to kill people, almost all out like a daredevil situation that'd be really cool well i'd really love to see something that could give you like a city spanning event with one person like if you pushed sandman 
to be just like the colossal villain that is like moving across the entire city. You've got to like quick time attack. You have to be good at traversal to even catch up to him. You've got to stop things along the way as like police cars are being flung into the air. You have to rescue them while still trying to fight this, you know, empire state building sized villain. Like that would be really cool. I don't think they're going to do that. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. That is so much work, but like that would be really cool. By the way, everyone, I had I had to look it up real quick because it was going to bother me. The villain I'm thinking of, his name is Alistair Smythe. And yeah, like Alistair Smythe. And specifically, I know him from like the 90s cartoon show. So, but anyways, yeah, that would be so really cool. Do you see, do you think we get like Flash Thompson in the, in the, um, spider-man 2 or do you think we still just stick with like harry you know maybe they have a a really good habit of building in characters to the world Mm -hmm. that you like don't expect or you don't see them coming like finding harry's logs across the first game was very like oh this is a cool way to move this character in here i think that would be neat i don't know if we do but they definitely should do you feel like this game, the, like the series, this Spider-Man series, is going to be a trilogy? Do you think this is going to be like, or more like God of War Ragnarok, where like God of War Ragnarok was just two games, like it was just God of War 2018 and Ragnarok? Do you feel like, do you feel like we're going to get another one after this? You know, it's really hard to pin down because they started with a very different Peter Parker, right? They started yeah. well Older. into his career, and so it's hard to say. Like, yes. It, it'll burn out really quick or it'll last a long time i would kind of hope they almost bleed into like you know the spider-verse mm-hmm. to say like oh we're gonna address even some of the 90s stuff where you're like oh we're getting to see like all these different versions of spider-man across the negative worlds and like that would be really cool to explore that and to have multiple games i, I just don't know that they're going to stick with peter parker for that I don't think so. Series. I don't think so. Like I, I, I think you like nailed the hit and like, like nailed, nailed that completely because like my thought process is because they have like Insomniac specifically have a way of subverting like expectations, and we saw it with the first game, but like like the ending where like we saw one character is demise that I never I've never seen before, like absolutely never seen before, and it wrecked me. And then like. But and the main villain of that game, the first Spider-Man game, turned out to be completely different than what like the trailers were leading up to be because that whole time we thought it was just gonna be Mr. Negative, and like that, and then it was that switch to where like oh this is the real antagonist. I think they're doing the same thing with the marketing lead up to Spider-Man Two, where like they're heavily putting the emphasis on Venom, like and Craven, but I don't think either one of them are gonna be the main bad guys in this. Yeah, and I'm interested to see, like, how they build Venom out, too. Yeah. Because this is, again, like, are we jumping forward with Venom, or are we going, like, this is the original Venom, and we're going to see him on Eddie? Like, oh, you know, like, what what version of Venom the symbiote are we getting? Mm -hmm. Because that's going to make a huge difference. Like, are we about to see anti-Venom in the game? Because that would be a pretty (laughs) radical jump. It would be. I don't think we'll go with that because, like, I think they're going to stay a little more confined with the, with the Venom symbiote. I think they are going to do the, the typical, like, Peter becomes evil, like, or becomes, like, an asshole while that Venom thing. But, like, 
I can totally see a world and where like we have to play with Miles as that final mission and we have to take out Peter. Like we have there's no other choice but like to stop Peter we have to take him out and that's the final mission of the game. It's very like prototype one versus two. Yeah, like, hey, exactly. remember all those character skills you really loved? Mm-hmm. You're about to fight them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think that's also like a hard hitting moment to where like we fell in love with Peter and now that we are going to have to snatch him away from us, we're going to have to bite that bullet and do that. I think that's it's going to be very divisive if they actually go through that route because there's so much attachment to that. It's almost like. I don't know if it's going to be as bad, but The Last of Us 2 had a very controversial like beginning, and I think a lot of people could react that same way if that happens to Peter. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of those that happens a lot in this you know, DC extended universe with all mm-hmm. the versions of stuff we've done. Everyone has their favorite version. Yeah. And so you're like, oh, is this my favorite version of this thing I've seen, or is this like the one that I hate? <laughs> like, I have that same feeling about two characters and I can't separate them. Yeah, I, I'm I'm having a hard time right now because like I waited until the Batman who laughs like whole like comic book art ended with DC. But I'm ha- but me being a big Bruce fan, I'm having a hard time getting invested into this world where he is Batman who laughs. You know, like it feels so I guess you could say chaotic in a way that I don't like i don't like this bruce i really don't well and i don't know if you've heard of this Mm -hmm. but i've heard a thing that may potentially introduce some new favorite versions of characters that still fits into this like you know dc conversation which is suicide squad is getting an isekai anime I saw that. I was going to bring that up in a minute. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I don't know what to think either because, like, I I liked the look of it, but I was just like, I don't know how this is going to work as an isekai. Yeah. Well, and the things they're talking about is they're like, this is a whole different Joker. This is a whole different Harley. We want you to fall in love with our versions of these characters. We want them to be your new favorite. And the director has voiced that where he said, like, I want to make such a different Joker that he becomes your favorite and he's very distinguishable from any other version that's ever existed but also they got express permission from dc to give the characters magic yeah uh, you know it, it can't be a isekai without like giving them like overline uh, like overly powerful magic or like overly powerful like skills and such as like swords and all that kind of stuff but like i wonder what type of isekai this is because i want this I don't necessarily want this to be like MA mature, but I do want this to be a little grittier than like something like um, reincarnated as a slime I, or like sword on a line. I want this to lean a little more heavy towards like maybe Mushosu, uh, was it Mushosu Tensei, like um, jobless reincarnation, like that type where like everything feels like it's hard hitting, but and has meaning behind it. Well, I think that's why they might be able to lean into that with this game. Yeah. To say, like, they can murder people because it's a fantasy world and they're not people. Or whatever your enemies are, like, you can watch them just mass slaughter this other side and you're like, oh man, this is awesome. And forget that, like, oh yeah, they're not doing this out of some, like, noble cause. They're villains and they're just mass murdering and you just don't care. <laughs> so the, the trailer in this just showed off, like, like um harley quinn and the joker but it it specifically says suicide squad and sakai like what other characters would you like to see in this anime i mean i'd like to see a, a, 
much larger roster. I think it would be a cool place to drop in characters like King Shark because mm -hmm. now you've got like Fantasy King Shark. Yeah. Which could be very fun. Um, I think Deadshot would be a really interesting drop because does he have a magic that lets him make bullets or does he run out of bullets and has to become a new character? That'd be like, cool. That would be a very interesting way to like twist that character a bit. You know, and still see like just neat stuff. That'd be really cool. And then like, you know, if they introduce like Riddler into this world, perhaps like he's like maybe like I don't know, like maybe he's a magical character or maybe he's the person who's like supplying them with information. Maybe he's a guild leader and such like that. There's so many really cool like possibilities if like a whole bunch of the like a suicide squad go, run, mission goes wrong and then all of them are transported into an isekai world. Like there's so many cool possibilities are. Yeah, I mean, it's like who's coming with you? Yeah, it's not just like it would be interesting, I suppose, if you're like, oh, it's just the Suicide Squad and they've got to solve other world problems. But if it was like you said, you know, we're starting to see other major Gotham villains or, yeah. you know, even just larger DC villains just show up in this other world. Like now it's a battle that the people in this world are just caught in the middle of. Yeah, that that's would be like super gratifying to see, like, how does this world survive when it's smashed between you know harley and the joker and also you know mr freeze is there any like any members of the suicide squad that you'd like to see in this uh i mean i think again like just because of harley I yeah i'd like to see most of the the core team there brought over to it mm-hmm but I still wouldn't mind if you're like, we're going to throw Enchantress into the mix. We're going to throw, you know, whoever else. Like, that would be a lot of fun. But at this point, like, I'm more interested in how they're going to pull it off. Yeah, I am too. And, like, season two, if it is very popular, maybe season two is an addition to the character roster. Yeah, I would love to see, like, a character, like, a weird character in this, like, Peacemaker. To where, like, yeah, like, because Peacemaker is so much about, like, at least, like, for the core of who he is it's like so much about like american pride and american like principles and like i have to protect that but what does he look like in the isekai world where there is no america like what does he lose his mind does he not have any is it where does his tribalism come from then like where does this sense of patriot patriotism come from you know like i think there's so many really cool really cool dichotomies that you could do with like so many characters coming out of out of that dc world well, and it's something that you're going to have to, like, ponder. Like, are we getting Amanda Waller brought in with you? Oh, that's does sick. The, does the threat still hold up? Like, does she have any control over these people at this point? Yeah, that'd be sick. Or is, like, is it basically, like, they're gone in Isekai world and she thinks, like, all of them are dead, so they can do whatever they want. And, yeah, there's so many cool things here. Like, um, also, like, do they go with original characters like if if this is leaning heavily towards the anime side i would be very interested to see what what studio is actually doing this so i could see like some of their like past works and kind of get a feel for like what they've done beforehand you know so i know when i looked at it the okay. animation studio is the same one that does jujitsu kaisen oh yeah so it's like that's a very high quality animation studio you're working with and then the writing team, I believe, was stolen from ReZero. 
you are kidding me zero so good yeah so i'm like and that's what i'm saying like you robbed that team to be like we're just gonna take this team for our project like that's a big move and that's kind of sucks because ReZero was just now starting to like come back, you know, like with their, their, I think what season two just aired not too long ago. And I think season three is, it was rumored to be dropping like, you know, sometime soon. But like I, oh, ReZero is so good, but it makes me feel good that like, it makes me feel promising that like this, that same studio, those same writers are working on this project. This is one of those where I'm like, I will go ahead and take the hit when I'm wrong, if I'm mm -hmm. wrong, but I might give this the same level of hype I gave Gotham Knights. What? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's a, lot, that's a lot of trust. I'm excited too, though. I'm excited too. Um, Colton, before we go, I have one last, ma well, two last major questions, but the first one kind of stems into a, one of our final topics, and that is, are you ready? Because it is time for a pro nerd trivia portion of the show where we ask our guests five uh, five questions based on five random categories of nerdiness. If you get all five correct, you enter in our pro nerd hall of fame. Colton, right. are you ready? I will do my very best. <laughs> what were you going to ask? I was going to say, let's not disappoint everyone and get everything wrong. Is there, <laughs> is there a category for that if I miss literally everything? You know, I think I think everyone's gotten at least one question right. I think. Put me in the hall of shame. Yeah, hall of shame. I love it. I love it. You're knowledgeable about, like, DC, and DC might pop up. So, like, yeah. So, at least I feel like you might get that one, that one correct. But, alas, our first category is not in the world of DC. It is in the world of Star Wars. Star Wars trivia. Uh, okay. How do you feel about this category? <laughs> not good. I understand why. That, that could be a very deep category. All right, so what or who was the character who built C-3PO? Who is the character that built C-3PO? Oh, um, Anakin Skywalker. That is absolutely correct. You are on the board, sir. So you do not have to worry about like getting could all five. The, could have been the first Hall of Shame member. Yeah, could have been, but you you couldn't help it. You couldn't <laughs> help it. So like, are you a big Star Wars person, by the way? No, I'm not actually. I'm like, I'm not anti Star Wars. I just kind of like in watching them, I guess burned out really quick on the whole okay. process. Where I think like Rogue One is their best movie. Yes, <laughs> I'm the same. I say that's probably an unpopular opinion in most circles. I love Rogue One though. Love it. The Darth Vader scene. Oh, so good. Yeah. So good. All right. So your next your next question is in the realm of Middle Earth. In the realm of Middle Earth, that is Lord of the Rings. So here we go. What was the name of the wizard in the Lord of the Rings? Oh, Gandalf. You are two for two. You are two Yay. for two. I'm feeling better about myself. Yeah, <laughs> you should be. You should be. Now you're going to be like, what was the famous line that the tree person said at the end of the? And I was like, oh, oh God, I have no idea. Oh, it gets it gets hard because like I like I can refresh like refresh the category for a second. And it is like it was from whom does Frodo learn that Boromir has died? And I'm like, you see how? Yeah, I'd be totally yeah. lost. I'm telling you, I'm like, the, the questions get all kinds of crazy. So it, it goes from like intermediate to, to easy, just in a snap. All right, so your next question though, alas, you did pretty good on that one. Your next question is in the realm of the wizarding world of Harry Potter. Okay. 
the wizarding world of harry potter how familiar are you with harry potter i read all the books i saw all the movies i guess and then i'm aware that like magical beasts exists and i know there's a screenplay for okay post harry but i i might i you know there's like a 75 percent chance i could get this okay i like that i like that all right so in harry potter there is a golden trio there's one ron weasley harry potter and hermione granger the but alas we're not talking about them because what is hermione's cat's name oh man crookshanks you are oh my goodness you're still you're still undefeated you're still I was undefeated. really nervous when i said that i was like <laughs> this might be some other minor character and i'm just entirely mixing up their names you still you still met you like you still did it so you got a star wars question correct you got a lord of the rings question correct you got a higher potter question correct are you feeling confident right now i feel pretty good yeah. i gotta bomb at least one of these <laughs> You're doing pretty well. You're doing pretty well. Your next category, though, is in the realm of the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. All right, so here we go. All right, so in the show Hawkeye, what does Yelena cook for Kate when she breaks into her apartment? Oh, man. That's a really hard question. Yeah, it is. It, that one got a little tough. All right, I'm going I'm to read it out for the audience again. In Hawkeye, in the show Hawkeye, what does Yelena cook for Kate when she breaks into her apartment? Mac and cheese? That is absolutely correct. That is absolutely correct. With the deep pool. How'd you do that? Oh, one? man. So I was thinking about it, and I'm like, all right, what did I see these people eat? in that show and i'm like i know there was a pizza scene yeah so i'm like it's not the pizza scene because they obviously didn't cook that and then i thought back and i'm like i think it's just basic comfort food so it's gotta be like mac and cheese i was like that's the go-to so i'm gonna say it you absolutely nailed that one that that was a deep pool and you absolutely crushed it mac and cheese was the correct answer and i believe she asked for a hot sauce as well like probably <laughs> yeah i was like do you have a spoon oh uh, yeah. but anyways your fifth and final question, and this is for the entry into the Hall of Fame. It is in the realm of Star Trek. Star Trek. <laughs> a hard, hard, a hard, hard, hard category. But, all right. Whew, here we go. In Star Trek. Xylor. Xylor. Z-I-Y-A-L. I'm going to say that's Z-Y'all. Z-Y'all is the daughter of which evil mastermind? Z-Y'all. So, in Star Trek, Z-Y'All is the daughter of which evil mastermind? I'm going to say Khan? That is incorrect, sir. That is incorrect. The answer is Gul Dukak. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, my Star Trek base is very limited. I'm like, evil mastermind. All right, well, the smartest person I can think of is Khan. So, maybe? I thought that was a good guess, because that is the only villain I know. Wrath of Khan. That's it. That's all I know. Yeah. Both then and then when he was played later in the movies. Yeah, that's all I know is the movies. Like the, I'm like, the... all right, Khan it is. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm curious if you would have gotten another star correct question correctly because I just refreshed it and it says, What color signifies command? Yellow. I would accept that. That was gold. So, like, yeah, I would accept that. That's so you you would at least do that. Like, I, I, yeah, like it sounds like you have a pretty expansive knowledge of all things nerdiness. I certainly try. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a well rounded individual in one very specific category. <laughs> Is there any, like, was there any nerdy categories that you would, that if they would have popped up, you'd be like, oh snap, like I'm in trouble? Oh man, probably. Like, if Dark Horse Comics came up. Oh, like, all right. Dark Horse is lore deep, so yeah. I am in deep trouble. <laughs> yeah. So like, n like on the random topics, you would have had like Xbox, Nintendo, PlayStation, uh, Star Wars, Star Trek, action movies, 007, Harry Potter, MCU, DCEU, DC, um, Batman specifically, and then yeah, and uh, let's see, am I missing one? No, I think I named all of them. Oh. Um, Disney is the last one. Is there any of those categories you'd be like, oh, snap? I think Nintendo could probably lose me pretty quick in the weeds because I know very little about their core games. Yeah, I understand. I understand. Yeah, those those are those can be pretty rough. And the crazy thing is they're not really lore heavy. It's just like there's so many of them. They've just yeah. been around for so long. No, that's more than like I know maybe like the main five Mario characters and the main four Sonic characters. So if it's like anyone outside of that, I'm gone. No, like, outside no. of them. I get it. All right. So I told you we had two major questions. My last one for you, though, is where can good people find you, Colton? Yeah, the good people can find me if they're looking for me over at Just Dumb Enough Podcast. That's uh, where I interview random experts about random expertises and teach people all the misconceptions they have. So give people a little preview of like the, the show. Like what what have you like who's the people you've been interviewing recently and what, what can some people expect from from that good show of yours? Yeah, so my last one just previous to this was uh, Japanese American internment camps, which is like a very heavy topic that's very misunderstood. It's not taught in schools very much other than like it happened, which is a very basic way to cover a pretty big chunk of, you know, American ideas at the time. Mm -hmm. And then I think the episode before that was stretching. So like the <laughs> way to stretch. And I'm like, it's one of those topics where I'm like, how could I possibly be stretching wrong? I think I know everything about stretching. And then she just comes in like, oh, are you holding your stretches? Are you holding your breath? Like both of those things are wrong things to do during stretching. And I'm wow. like, man, that's how I was taught in like middle and high school. We learned like get as far as you could into the stretch and then hold it as long as you could. And that's a hundred percent wrong. Isn't it fascinating that there's so much we don't know in life? Like it's like you we think we have this like idea of what of what like some concepts are and it just comes out that we have no idea yeah but yeah you're like another one i did was bees and i'm like bees are you know they make honey and i know people farm them and i have nothing else outside of that no. and they're like did you know we can fit 300 honey beans in a quarter cup and we sell them like that and i'm what? like why why are you putting bees in a cup a measuring device of any kind why are we doing that yeah and then why are we selling them by a like a size why are we doing any of this i have no idea and how do the bees survive until they get to their new destination apparently they don't care 
Oh wow. Bees. Yeah, bees are just like yeah, whatever, man. And like the my in my knowledge of bees just goes to that bee movie that they came out with back in the day. Like that's <laughs> it. That is actually like that is actually it. So I'm like, this is fascinating. Like, uh, before you go though, I gotta know like what started you with this show? Like how did how did everything come about? man i was just listening to shows and i realized i love the host mm-hmm. right like the host of any given show is fantastic especially if they you know stick with it they got a passion great show immediately but i was too bored like i was always hearing the same host i love talking about the same topic and so i'm like oh this person that i love hearing about psychology from is always talking about psychology and they keep bringing up the same studies and the same factoids and the same lesson. And so I was just bored. And I thought, like, isn't there a show out there that just covers such a wide variety where you have a core host and then randomized guests with topics you couldn't anticipate? And I couldn't find one. And so I thought, like, all right, well, I'll wait for a couple years and see if one pops up. And when none of them did, I just thought, all right, I'm buying a microphone. Let's make this happen. That's so cool. So you were you were Thanos in this equation where you're like, I'll just do it myself, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Man, that's so fascinating. Like, um, what so like you've you've done this show for a very long time though. Like, I gotta ask, is like, how do you find all these interesting people? Like, you do they just come up to you and ask? Do you just like figure out like I think I think bees is it for this one. Like, I think I need to learn about bees. Like, what's the what's the thought process like for you? Yeah, you know, I don't try and put out any, like, specific call to action. I'm not like, all right, this week we're learning about booze, and I'm going to go find a booze person. Mm-hmm. You know, initially, when the show started, I thought, like, I am no one, right? Like, I'm not anyone special. I'm not a celebrity. I don't have a following. I've never done anything on social media. So I'm going to have to get people that I know that work entry-level jobs to explain their jobs and I think I did two of those and then I got this random guest that was like a CEO of a company and also worked in the film industry and also worked in you know as an entrepreneur and he enjoyed being on the show so much that he started spreading out like hey you should be on this guy's show it's kind of fun that's so cool and those people came in and then they referred people. I had to put in like a whole process to send an email, <laughs> fill out an application. Then I started going on panels. Like I've been to the National Publicity Summit six times, I think, at this point. Oh, wow. Where I get paid to just like say, yes, come on the show. Mm-hmm. And that's incredible to be like, yes, I love this topic. You have so much passion. You came to an event for it. Like, please come on my show. And so it's just kind of spiraled into something I could have never imagined. So what's the, who's the, like, is there a dream guest? Is there a dream, like, topic that you want to learn about? There's a couple, which are mostly, like, it's a type of person or a very specific person that I'm like, oh, I'd love to get these guys on the show. And one of them I've said before on my show is, like, a leader of a country any country that would be incredible to be like what's it like being in charge of an entire country that's insane like why would you do this what was that like what are the pitfalls like what does no one know like interesting stuff like that i'd also love to get people like casper van dyne (laughs) who is just (laughs) plays johnny rico in starship troopers and i'm a huge starship troopers fan so i'm like i'd love to just sit down and chat with this guy (laughs) That'd be really cool. You know, like, uh, I'm 
you know, like not to throw out pitches or any ideas like that, but like the if you get uh, like a stand up comedian like Matt Rife right now, like I would love, love to know about like the process of like how what was like coming up in the social media era of comedy like that. That seems so fascinating to me, you know? Yeah. And I take requests all the time. I've had a couple of people that, you know, emailed me and they're like, oh, I've got a, a child with autism and I'd love to hear an autism topic. And so I'm like, sure, I'll reach out to somebody. Yeah. I can't guarantee that I'm going to get like heavy hitters. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm certainly not going to like reach out and be like, hey, Joe Rogan, you want to be on the show? <laughs> yeah. They're going to be like, send that to the blocked address file. Exactly. exactly. But, you know, when people are like, oh, can you cover this topic? I'm like, sure, I can probably find somebody to fit that topic. Pretty yeah. easy. Yeah. So I'm like, don't don't give up on the Joe Rogan thing. I'm sure you'll be flown down to Austin into the studio and, and y'all can talk about all crazy, all kinds of crazy stuff. We'll see if anybody's listening that works for him. You don't have to fly me down to Austin. I visit regularly. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Thank you so much, Colton, for being on the show. Before we go, though, man, thank I want to thank you. I want to ask, what are you playing though? Are you going to be playing anything for the foreseeable future? Yeah, you know, I don't have anything crazy on the roster. I'm open to, you know, anybody's recommendations at this point. I'm just kind of looking for something that I can pick up and put down. Because I'm involved in so many of these games that are like really heavy, time-consuming games. I just want something really light. So, What do you normally play on? Uh, Usually I play on a PS4 or a PS5. Um, But I have a gaming PC, like... I've got the whole setup. I just am kind of lazy about searching for things. Look into that Steam Deck, because it might change your life. That pick up and play thing you're talking about, it'll change you. It really will change you. Yeah, I mean, that was me for a long time with a Vita, which is also not a popular platform. But I'm like, I loved my Vita. That was a great platform. Just no games for it. No, no. This is different, though, because I'm like, you can just stream all your PS5 games or all your PC games. Because, like, I play Final Fantasy 16 on the, on the Steam Deck where I'm just streaming it from my PS5. And I'm like, oh, happy day. And, like, it it, like, it just feels like a normal, like, a normal handheld type of thing. Almost like playing Final Fantasy 7 on the handheld. Yeah, hell yeah, man. I got a lot of time where I'm, like, away from the house, so... That'd be a good one. I'll look into yeah, it. Yeah, definitely look into it. Well, anyways, thank you, Colton, for being on the show. Everyone, thank you for listening to the show. And we thank you so much for all your support. The show has grown tremendously. Thank you so much for everything. If you're listening to this before I go off to PAX West, I'd love to see you while I'm there. Um, hit your boy up. Let me know what you're playing. And also let me know your controversial hot takes. Love to hear those, by the way. So, everyone, thank you so much for listening. I've been Sebastian. That's been Colton. And until next time, stay safe, stay gaming and enjoy the single player experience peace out everyone so that's a wrap for today's show i want to give a special shout out to colton petrie for joining me on this episode i also want to let you know about the single player experience discord server it's the perfect place for single player gamers to talk about the good single player games they've been playing lately and to get video game recommendations think of it kind of like a book club for single player gamers The link to join will be in the description. Once you're in, feel free to share your video game backlog list, talk about the good games you've been playing, or give your feedback on the show. If you have a game that you think should be recommended or that you think I should talk about, let me know in the Single Player Experience Discord server. I'll see you there. Before we go, I just want to thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Stay safe, stay gaming, and I hope to catch you in the next one. Peace!